Hey coconuts, so I'm sure like myself, many of you will eventually get your first property. As with many around the world, this will be one of your biggest purchases in your life. Some of you may go on to own multiple properties, some of you may move around the world, some of you may choose to only have this one home. I've clearly segregated a home from a property because I vividly recognize the difference between the goals and mindsets of someone looking for a home and one looking to create cash flow and write capital appreciation in the property market. My name is Reggie, aka your Chief Financial Coconut. I'm not a homeowner yet, and Singapore does have a pretty unique home ownership situation with a mix of private property and a huge public housing scheme. For your reference, in 2020, 81% of Singaporean residents, citizens and PRs live in flats under the Housing Development Board, HDB scheme. One other unique thing about Singapore is we love acronyms, huh? P-I-E-C-T-E-E-R-P-A-B-S-D-M-O-P, all the acronyms drove me nuts <laughs> while trying to create this season. But I will assure you, at the end of this season, you will know all of them. I've got you covered. No acronym shall freak us out. No more. I refuse to be freaked out by them. <laughs> For all of us first-time homeowners and potential homeowners in Season 2 of Coconut Avenue, I'm going to break down the step-by-step -step of home ownership and ease you into your first giant purchase. So to kick us off on our very first episode of Coconut Avenue, I have brought on a dynamic duo, fellow podcasters, to share their very first and potentially last HDB purchase. A lot of backstory to unpack here. There was emotional breakdown, there was man cave denial, there was family baggage from endless HDB buying and selling, and to top it off, they are self-employed. Yeah, but it should be your listening. Your listening to Long Kang Kitties. Hello everybody. <laughs> welcome, to the, welcome to the next episode of Lung Kang Kitty's podcast. It, nice. is, it is not a financial coconuts podcast. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, you know those takeover things that happen? Yeah. You know, sometimes they do IG yeah, these takeovers. Things is pretty, yeah. pretty common, right? Yeah, that's why we're having you in, in the house. Awesome. Reggie, actually, this is a trap. Yeah. Actually, me and Lydia are here to take over your podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You've been conned. Oh, we we yeah. cooked out an interesting story and conned you into inviting us. Yeah, some of your studios are <laughs> so nice. Oh, thank you. Thank yep, that's Dan and Lydia, half of the Long Kang Kitties podcast. You should check out their podcast, but be warned, huh? colourful language are a staple. You honestly cannot even call it colourful anymore because it is just what it is. But to be clear, Dan and Lydia do not do podcasting full-time. I mean, as of now, I don't know how many people actually do it full-time other than maybe us, and okay, let's go. So I want to thank you for your support and our sponsors' support. Our sponsor for Season 2 of Coconut Avenue is Mortgage Master. They are one of the leading mortgage brokers in Singapore and they pride themselves for rejecting you. Yes, they reject you when they feel like you're not ready for it. We will learn more about them down the road. Trust me, we'll have ample time to get to know them in this season. Back to the story. What does Dan and Lydia then do full-time? Uh, my name is Dan Wong. Uh, I draw for a living professionally and I also draw for fun. So I'm an illustrator and I've been doing so for a number of years. Uh, I also do a lot of other things on the side. Like, for instance, I run, I, I co-run the Longkang Kitties podcast, which is why I'm here today, I guess. Uh, I, I'm uh, 38 
years old this year, and uh, me and my lovely, beautiful wife have just purchased a HDB flat. Um, or we just got our HDB flat last year. Darling, would you like to introduce yourself? Of course. So I am Lydia. I am married to Dan. I tricked her. <laughs> yes, he tricked me. I went the to a Bomo. The whole plan was actually to get <laughs> Wait, wait. Did you say you went to a Bomo? Yeah. I went to a Bomo. <laughs> correct, 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 yeah. correct, correct. Yes, the Bomo is the best investment you make. If you want to punch out of your league, uh, like if you if you guys see my face, right, and then you see Lydia's face, right, you obviously know it's a Bomo. So rude. <laughs> That's how you punch above your weight, man. <laughs> That's the only way, guys. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a, I am a TV director and I specialize in documentaries. When I'm not being uh, possessed by dense Bomo spirits. <laughs> Alright. Nice, nice, nice. So both of you are essentially in the more <clears throat> gig economy kind of kind of situation. Is nah, that not, is true. You're not wrong in saying so. Yeah, we are a creative industry, and I guess a lot of people in the creative industry uh, do see this as like a like a lifelong thing, or like a like a like this takes the place of full time employment for mm. them. Mm. Correct. So for both of us, we are both um, freelancers. We're both part of the gig economy. Um, it didn't start out that way, but, mm. you know, just, I don't know, life happened, which, you know, us being freelancers had, you know, has its plus points as negative mm. points. Mm. When it comes to buying a house, it's a whole different ballgame when you are a freelancer. Mm. Yeah, it was you, a nightmare, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's why we're here. Yeah, and that's why we're here. We're going to talk about how do you pay for a flat when you are self-employed, basically. Correct, correct. correct. And have unstable money coming in. Actually, no, not that unstable, la, but, you know. Yeah, but I heard it used to be worse la, from all our friends, you know, talking to us. So I feel like overall, if I can summarize our HDB experience, it was three pineapples out of five pineapples. <laughs> not popcorn. Ah. <laughs> no, because you rolled a pineapple into the house, oh, right? Oh, I like, see. Yeah. So three pineapples out of five pineapples. I see, I wait, see. Wait, wait, wait. You rolled pineapples <clears throat> in your house? You made an online thing, is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> correct, 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 correct. <laughs> I cannot, I cannot. Okay, no worries, no worries, no worries. I need to take five. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. Chinese people are weird that way. When we first get our new house, there's a practice to throw a pineapple into the house. Because in the Hokkien dialect, pineapple is also known as Ong Lai, which translated to English in the crudest form is wealth come. Ong Lai. So when you throw pineapple into the house, you are welcoming wealth. Yes, Chinese people. All about wealth, huh? everything is about wealth. <laughs> so, <laughs> also for all of you Chinese people listening, a Bomo is a Malay shaman. So we have Dan here that strongly believes that his life changed after visiting the Malay shaman. Right? So this stand does not represent the show, neither is throwing pineapple into your house. <laughs> Honestly, I believe Dan's sentiment of lack of yardstick is not unique to him. I mean, most of us will find it jittery, especially knowing that our property may be our biggest purchase in our lifetime. So I feel him and I want to give us a short overview of the property market to get us up to speed as we learn more from different people in this season. In Singapore, there are two clear tracks in the property market. One is the private property market, which we will deep into later in the season, and the other is the HDB residential ecosystem. 
Yes, HDB does build commercial properties too, from malls, stable shops to industrial areas. Anything you see with the iconic block number, block 123, block 456, block 111, whatever, is built by HDB. And within the HDB residential ecosystem, there are two main types of residential properties. One is commonly termed as your HDB flats, with common sounding size indicators like 3 room, 4 room, 5 room, I mean there's a new one called 3 gen. All the different permutation underpins the diverse need of Singaporeans. Imagine if everyone was stuffed into one size flats. My goodness, that's so sad. The other track is the executive condominium track, aka EC. Dan and Lydia have gotten their four-room HDB flat in Canberra, in the northern part of the island, in between Ishun and Sembawang. It was quite an experience for them, especially for Dan. And that's not because they live near Ishun, huh? <laughs> So, truth is, I wanted to... Because we've been with each other for, what, seven, six, seven years up to that point? Mm. And uh, I think a new BTO was being built right across from our house. And for me, it's like we knew, we knew that, you know, there was a strong possibility we wanted to spend the rest of our lives with each other. Mm. And I'm... Unlike him, he, I'm not the kind who deliberates mm. for a very, very long time. I, I see it, I like it, I go for it. <laughs> I and it's very consistent awesome. with my personality. Very, very consistent. So I saw the BTO was being built across and I was like, hey, oh my god, then there's a BTO gonna be built across the road from both our houses. You know how convenient it is? We'll just like carry the cats and just walk over and then put the cats in the house. Be so easy. Come on, we should do this. We don't even need to hire movers, we just like push our bed across the road. Be so easy. And and he was like, What? Settle down? BTO? HDB? And he and, and he said this, he was like, but I like my room. I do like my room. And he, and he said, I don't want to share. And I was like, you what? Like, you think what? Like, you're going to get your own room and move in with, with each other. He said, I need, I need my space. I need my man cave. And I was just like, oh my God. I, I need to date someone else now. I need to date someone else now before like be- before I get old and ugly. I'm going to find someone else really. But yeah, so Dan went through this whole panic. period. Yeah, mm. he went through a... It was a huge panic attack on his side like, because... Okay, like, maybe my, my fault like, was a bit too... Uh, okay, may, may I defend sudden. myself? Sure, right? okay. So this is where ignorance can... is, is a bad thing, right? Why, why I, I... You know, in hindsight, I look back and I'm like, oh, you see, all I needed to do was to do... Like to spend a couple of days to do research on the HDB website and I wouldn't have gone into that crazy panic attack. Right, um, like for instance, one of the silly things that I thought is that oh, I have to pay everything like one shot, or I have to pay like a huge amount of money in order to purchase a flat, and I certainly cannot afford it because you know I I I'm not willing to spend the money and I have all my money set up for these particular things you know for my business and all that already and I can't change the ratio and proportions of my money. I've already set everything aside already. Then now suddenly I must pay. You know, X amount, which could be up to fifty, sixty, seventy thousand oh, dollars. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't even know. I you remember know? this. He had a total panic attack when we were looking at like the blocks, right? So when you look at the block and then they have all the unit numbers, right? Because um, he said, "How much is a flat gonna cost?" And I was like, "Oh, maybe somewhere between you know this amount, and this amount." And he's like, "That's a big difference." So he goes, we go to the list where they show each unit number, and one unit can be like three hundred twenty thousand, mm. and one unit is like two hundred and ten. Correct. And then he's like. On the day itself, I show up. How? What if it's only the 300,000 ones left? Huh? Then what? I, but I don't want the 300,000 because I cannot afford 300,000. I only can't afford 210,000. I'm just like... And, uh... and that, that, isn't that a valid concern, my love, though? I mean, these are arbitrary values placed on, on these individual units. Who, who judges these values? 
And the duo have gotten their flats through the BTO mode of sale. BTO is built to order and it was first created in 2001 following the decline of flat sales. In other words, HDB was quote-unquote building too much and to regulate the excessive supply being pumped up, HDB created this BTO mode of sale. The first part of the BTO process is broadly separated into three steps, beginning with the BTO sale launch, where HDB calls for a new project and while providing a mock-up of the project and its location begins the sale process. Next step is when interested and eligible buyer like yourself submits an application to indicate your interest within the sale application period. Lastly, there's a balloting process, aka random selection process, and if you're selected, you will be invited to book your flat. And that may be the start of your dream home and your new life. But the BTO mode of sale will not go through if less than 70% of the flats are being booked. In other words, if the project does not sell at least 70% of the flats, the building process will not begin. Also, what you need to know is that the BTO process anchors on a ballot process. The earlier your ballot number, the faster you get to pick your unit within the BTO project. And I I just knew that the numbers were going to be different because in my history, because my family used to buy and sell a lot of houses. So I knew that, you know, higher floors are going to be more expensive, except the second highest floor is actually the most expensive and not actually the highest floor. And, you know, things like this, like, you know, I knew all these, like, really, really small details. So the varying prices did not surprise me. And then I knew at the end of the day, you can't control whether there are, like, 200 people ahead of you in queue who are going to swipe out most of the cheap units. You don't know. So there's no point trying to, like, labor over exactly which unit you're going to get. Just go with the flow and make the decision when the time comes. Mm. But... He did not have that information in hand, so mm. I should not blame you for right, overreacting. Right. Also, if we think about it, uh, guys, two hundred and fifty. Okay, so we bought, we purchased our flat for about two, two hundred and fifty-seven thousand dollars, right? And at the time, right, two five seven. This number, you know, it is more than a quarter of a million dollars. It was a number that's very hard for me to process in my head, and it feels like a number that I can absolutely never achieve, you know, in my life. Uh, you must understand, I'm like, my, my monthly salary is like what? 2.8k, 3.5k, you know, like if you had to break it up. How on earth am I gonna afford this? I'm a poor starving artist. I just draw pictures and dick around. By the way, I do, I do draw a lot of dick pics. <laughs> <laughs> I love to draw dick pics. I, I don't know if that can go in. <laughs> <laughs> He's very well known for drawing. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, a lot of his artworks have uh, hidden uh, dicks inside. So the next time you see one, my goodness, see. you could draw one for us. Next yes. time. Yeah, yes. one hundred percent. Yeah, let's, let's work on cover art. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I want to go down with the whole like Lydia's family sure. mm. having a lot of buy and sell experience. Yes. You know, does it mean you guys very well to do? Huh? <laughs> you know, right? The typical story, right? Like Is it? buy and sell property. You know, and then uh... you make a lot of money, and houses get bigger and bigger and bigger. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no, not even close. So uh, my family, yeah. So I think I've I have a lot of baggage when it comes to like buying and selling houses, because I think my family made a lot of like personally I think a lot of bad decisions are uh, when it came to to buying and selling houses. 
uh, I think both my parents are like O-level, you know, the highest education was like O-level. So I feel they're not very educate, educated financially, but they probably have like heard a lot from people about like, oh, you know, you sell your flat, you can make money and so on and so forth. So we've moved house uh, with the family was 10 times um, to various places all around Singapore, um, almost every every part, lah, basically. I know every part of Singapore, like the back of my mm. hand. Mm. And so is the east or the west better? <laughs> oh man, good, good question. Uh, east is too crowded, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's too crowded. But a lot of things going on now, which is good, lah. You know, a lot of good food and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, man, I, I will never voluntarily go back to the east. Yeah, it's okay. you're in mm. the north. Yeah, so now yeah. in the north somewhere center. Mm-hmm. North yeah. works. I like the north. Yeah, yeah, north totally <laughs> works. So yeah, um, the the reasons why we bought and sell sold houses, there were many reasons. Um, each house had its own story, but a lot of it was also trying to make money to try and get a little bit extra money because we weren't that well to do. So sometimes like we just needed a lot of money at one go. My mom or my dad would think that, oh, maybe we should sell so that we can get a big lump sum money so that it can go into someone's education or buying something else or whatever it is. So the truth is um, what I saw in my years growing up moving houses 10 times is that it's a fallacy that you can make a lot of money. Maybe because we're minorities, I don't know. Or maybe because we're in areas that were not very valuable, which I don't think so because we, we used to be in the East as well. So we had um, you know, very valuable properties in those areas as well. But you know, throughout the years, me and my sister, you know, when we reflected back, we, we realised that all of those house moves were very poor financial decisions and had put us in worse positions than we would have been if we just stayed put. So since then, I really am so adamant about never moving unless you really, 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 really have to. Uh, my plan is with this house is to never move again. <laughs> mm. So this house is the, my 11th. Mm. And I'm hoping it will stay that way unless we have a very, very good reason to leave. Okay. Um, and I have, we have no plans to sell, hopefully. Mm. And I really want it to stay that way. So Coconuts, I'm not saying you cannot make money from your HDB sale, but here is an example of someone that may or may not have known what they were doing and things didn't turn out as exciting for Lydia's family. From the 1980s to 2020, a 40-year period, a four-room HDB flat went from 80,000 new sale to 430 to 460,000 resale. I'm taking these numbers from Yahoo Finance, but you get the idea. Maybe a HDB flat also should buy and hold. <laughs> what is more important is that I believe many of you coconuts are looking for a home and not an investment. The psyche is fundamentally different. A homeowner isn't an investor and we don't need to be too hyped up about new schools, new shelter, new location, new MRT. Where is this next big place where my HDB flat can flip, flip and flip? I mean, okay, definitely some of us will make some money from our HDB flat sale. But is that our primary goal? As a homeowner, I think the most challenging part is affordability. What can I afford before choosing where to explore? And Dan and Lydia being freelancers had quite an experience with tax filing, CPF and their mortgages. In order to calculate my tax, right? I have to look through all my 3,000 invoices, even the $100 job, you know, to and find that invoice which I have crumpled up or thrown, up, thrown away or I print and then it drop or I use it to dig my nose, you know, all that kind of thing. So I have to, I have to, I have to get a year's worth, right, of, of invoices and make sure that the amount tallies 
or at least tallies to the best of my ability. I have to make sure that, that the amount that I declare in the end, it is at least 90%. That's, that's my goal, uh, close to what I've earned. This is important because in order for you to get your HDB flat, one of the documents that you need to submit is, is your Notice of Assessment. Uh, they call it NOA, which is the, the form that will give you after you declare your taxes. Uh, for self-employed people, uh, I also have to submit the whole whole jingang of invoices, right, which come in various different formats. Some of them are JPEGs, some of them are PDFs, some of them are you know, actual physical things which I, I didn't bother to scan. Right, depending on what business I'm doing with these companies, right? The older companies, they are so they are not digitized at all. Sign invoices there. Yeah, Carbon like, paper, that kind of thing. Yes, yes, yes. Oh then, my yeah, then God. How? I don't even have a scanner in office. Okay, well, I kind of do have a scanner in office, but you know, it's lazy. I'm lazy to use it and take it out. And then the next job comes in, and then I just don't do the paperwork. It's because it's time to do the next job. Yeah, so, so when was this process? This process was when we are trying to apply for the flat. So which year do you remember? 2016 was the year that mm. we balloted for the flat. So from then on, I already said that before we get our first appointment, we should start getting... Actually, even before that. Mm. So easily two years before that, I said, you know, while we're waiting and planning when to get a house, let's just start getting our, our, our shit together mm. and slowly start paying so that at least even if we suddenly do decide to apply in 2016 and they say, show me your stuff from last year, Everything is all in order. Yes, you did say that. Yeah. You did say that. So, but you didn't do it. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> that's you, why I'm sensing. You didn't do it is a it's a very harsh thing to say. So you see, I have a friend. Like imagine a a spirit, you know, that uh, is around me, and then his 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 name is procrastinator. I, I'm, I'm sensing a long look. To, <laughs> no, <laughs> so yeah, I didn't do it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lydia. Like in retrospect, I really let you down about this. No, no, not really. Honestly, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just more judgmental. Correct. That basically, what happens every year when we're filing our taxes, it's, it's. I, I just open a folder in my computer, and everything is there from January until December, and then I just plus 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 on my Excel sheet. It's all done in like an hour. And he's like, what did I do last year? What job? I don't remember. Do you remember what I do? Huh? I got $100 job. Must put ah. Must put $100 job, so must put ah. And then I laugh at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so that's just one of the things. Nah. I mean, other than the, the NOA and the, and the tax, and that's your yeah. credit rating. What else do we have to submit? Nah? Oh, so many things. Uh, I think also bank statement. Yeah, bank statement, yeah, bank invoices. Hmm. I don't know whether they had certain companies where they needed you to submit proof of employment for previous companies that we did work for. Okay. I mean, it seems like a lot of things to us, but of course to our audiences, uh, you could probably break it down into these categories. Yeah. 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 For self-employed, yeah. I think it's especially complicated for self-employed, right? And mm. you have to submit all these to fundamentally prove that you can make money Correct. And, yes. and it's consistent. Yes. Correct. Right. Then you can apply for a loan and all that. Right? Those are the Correct. fundamental reasons. Correct. For other Correct. people, probably just CPF, you know, already yeah. has the track, you know, like oh, yeah. the IRAs. It's very, very easy for them. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's unique right. to... Uh, self-employed individuals Correct But there are more and more Self-employed individuals These days Correct mm. so, yeah. There is also one mm. more Weird thing Which is the thing That almost cost us The entire house altogether Which was We had a whole list Of things that they asked us To, to submit And one of them Was payslip So because of HDB's Like automatic portal mm. There's no human That you can talk to So I wanted to tell a human Look we don't have a payslip So I cannot submit The payslip so I would submit a letter, I would go on WordDoc and I would say we don't have a payslip because we are self-employed as shown by this, that, this, that, this, that, but we have all these other documents. Mm. 
um, we put it on the portal and then the portal says, you didn't submit a payslip. <laughs> so then I'll do it again and I'll reply with, you know, say we don't have a payslip, blah, 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 and then the portal goes back saying, you didn't submit a payslip. And, and the loop keeps going over and over and over back again and I cannot seem to get a hold of a human to tell them, I cannot, I cannot clear this because we don't have a payslip. And then finally, HDB decided, oh, you your application has been rejected because you didn't submit your payslip. And I was like, ah! And you sent me an email even. I, I looked it up. I, I, I was reading back our correspondence and he sent me an email and his email said, rage! <laughs> <laughs> that was it. I love how you guys send emails. Yeah, we sent emails to each other. <laughs> so he sent me an email and said, rage. And then, from then on, I was reading the correspondence again. And then finally, we got hold of a HDB lady who then said, oh, 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 I see you don't have a payslip. What you need to do is fill up our official form. There's an official HDB form that you have to write declaring that, oh, yeah, I'm self-employed. Which is because, I guess, self-employed self -employed, uh, uh, owners are not that common. Mm. So it's not one of the... I don't know, it's just not somewhere, it's not stated anywhere clearly where I can download this form, where I can write this and everything. So this is this had to be told to me by a human. And only then did our, our entire process for applying for this flat continue. But as a result of all these back and forth delays, uh, something else happened. Correct. The uh, direct consequence of this is that um, our HLE loan expired at the wrong time. There is a time limit to it. And what happened because of this, this whole process got delayed, even though we got the loan, uh, uh, we got a, a some HLE, they were willing to lend us up to $200,000 to pay for the flat. And we were celebrating la, when we got the HLE loan. Because right? it's more than enough. Yeah, it's more than enough to help us, you know, plus our CPF, you know, it's, it's good enough. And then because this whole issue took so long, uh, the loan expired. And then uh, even though the flat is like ours, right? it's settled already, we, the flat is ours. Uh, we have to apply for the loan all over again. Yeah. Right. And 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 that was a that was a that was some something altogether. Another nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Another nightmare. So after we applied for the HLE the second time, mm -hmm. thinking, okay, never mind, no big deal, it's just reapplying whatsoever. We don't know why, but the second time when uh, HGB came back to us, they said, okay, you have been approved for HLE, you get forty five thousand dollars. <laughs> forty five thousand. <laughs> sorry. Okay. <laughs> so sorry. Two hundred thousand. <laughs> 45,000. I blame his CX. I bet it's his CX. <laughs> Maybe the first time they didn't see properly the CX. Then the second time they're like, oh, don't, don't trust this guy, don't trust this guy. Oh I don't God. know. I have no idea. We, we have no idea. Absolutely yeah, no idea absolutely why. No idea, yeah. Okay, okay. A lot to unpack. I wasn't laughing at them. I was laughing with them. So for all of you out there listening that are not freelancers, good on you. Easier tax filing. But for the many freelancers and small business owners listening, you and I, we know, we got to be neater with our financial filings. But I think there are two questions in our minds. How do I build my credit score? How is my HDB loan eligibility, HLE, calculated? And can it be reduced just like that? Like poof? For that and more, I will be bringing on David Bay, our mortgage master, next episode to help us clarify mortgages before we keep digging deeper into properties. I mean, if we don't know how much mortgage we can get, we will not know what we can afford. And so how do we actually become good at property shopping? Once again, I thank David's team at Mortgage Master for sponsoring Season 2 of Coconut Avenue. And in closing Episode 1, Dan has something very proud he wants to share.
Okay, can I maybe just say like a very interesting thing that happened that I, I found to be quite funny. So apparently one of the things that you need to submit is a credit rating. Um, <laughs> so the thing is that I'm like, hmm, I'm a fine upstanding citizen. I don't borrow money. Because I, I come in a, in a, from a family who, who my, my dad always tells me, don't spend what you don't have. Right? Uh, so borrowing money was sort of like anathema to me. I hate borrowing money. Uh, I don't like to owe people things. Yeah, if 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 like the day you lend me some money, the next day I'll pay you back already because I don't like to, to do that kind of. Very, very proud, uh, it stems from a place of pride. Turns out Lydia has a credit card and she has a better credit score. So yeah, let's keep digging next week. Welcome back to season two of Coconut Avenue.